Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 212 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, joined by two wonderful guests this evening. First of all, we have with us Dave Cho at the Falcoholic himself, the boss man. Dave, how are we doing tonight? Good, good. Glad to be back uh, after a win. I only come on after wins now. Yes, that's, you know, that is your right as as the the editor-in-chief. You know, you can decide that you're only going to, you're going to take up the very, very valuable win shows because, you know, we don't know how many of these we're going to get. So we got to enjoy these while we can um, yeah, although if they are really good, I just box myself into coming on a lot. So there we go. That's the risk you take, you know. That's yes. the risk you take. So it's, it's, yeah. that would be a good problem to have, I think, though, if they're winning a bunch of games. So uh, also with us tonight, Director of Guest Personnel, Evan Birchfield. He is at Evan Birchfield on Twitter. Uh, still uh, above water, Evan, I was going to say, I thought you yes. were going to do like the, the Weather Channel style and you'd be like <laughs> outside getting blown around while you record your... But I guess you said you're already boarded in, so you probably can't do that now. Yeah, no, I, I could have done that earlier, but now I'm I'm too, it's dark outside. Everybody's boarded in, so yeah. All right, thanks well, for that's having good. me. Absolutely, we're happy to have you on. Uh, obviously, hope everyone in Florida is staying safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, was able to either evacuate or get someplace safe. Uh, and if you're in the place that needs to evacuate and you're choosing to watch this show instead. Um, Please evacuate. You know it will be available. You know shortly uh, on all your favorite platforms, including the podcast platform that does listen mm-hmm. to audio. You know we're not important enough. Uh, as much as you know, I- I'm glad you're enjoying the show, but it's it's not a life or death thing. Um, but uh, yeah, we got a Falcons win to talk about, guys. Uh, Atlanta defeated the Seahawks uh, in what was a very good day from the offense. A very, you know. Mm, sketchy day from the defense but they did make the the necessary plays uh, especially in the second half for the Falcons offense to sort of take over the game um so yeah we're going to talk about that we're going to get Dave and Evan's thoughts on the the uh, start of the season here and yeah we'll take some of you guys questions as well like I said uh, you can put questions in the chat. We'll try to get to some if we can. If you have a question that you absolutely have to have answered, of course, you can donate at streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. Uh, and also like and subscribe and all that good stuff. Uh, but yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, the Falcons got their first win. Dave, I'll let you uh, wax poetic. Is this, you know, a big deal? Is this a sign of things to come? Or is this just one, you know, brief shining moment in what might be a dark uh, season here? Somewhere in the middle, uh, you're, you're going to be surprised to hear me say that. But, you know, I, I do think, you know, it's going to be a losing season. I think that's still my expectation, obviously. Um, beating a Seahawks team that, that isn't great up front um, isn't the most impressive victory in the world, maybe. But you know what? It's a win. 
Um, the defense came up with huge plays when they really needed to. The offense really continued to hum. They looked minus a, a couple of errors here and there, you know, a lot like the Falcons offense we're hoping we're going to see going forward. So to me, getting the win was obviously a big deal for the Falcons, you know, for them to have the players meeting, um, you know, some of the comments after the game, like Colby Gossett saying, you know, it's in the back of your mind that you you might blow this thing, you know, basically, um, you know, getting that win, I think is a really big deal for them. I think it paves the way for more wins later in the season. I think it's, it's kind of one of those foundational things as you try to build the next great Falcons team. And even if we can't expect it all at once this year, like they were so close, you know, the first two weeks to getting wins. And even if they, you know, stumbled and fumbled a little bit, um, you know, and that's why they didn't win, they were close enough that, I'm sure it feels good to get the win and it feels good to know that they can, you know, beat a lesser team um, like the Seahawks and hopefully eventually, you know, the Bears, maybe even the Browns this weekend, but I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Yeah, you bring up a good point about this team hanging tough against some playoff contenders. I mean, maybe the Saints less of a playoff contender than, is that one of those 420 uh, tall boys you were talking about? Sweetwater. Uh, yes, it is. That Sweetwater. thing is huge. Yeah. I, I was like, oh man, is that like a, you know, 12 ounce tall boy? Like they, you know, they make it really tall, but it's like thin, but no. Yeah. Uh, that, that looks great. My local beer store is uh yeah. Safe Haven. Fifth, uh, 15 of these for 12 bucks. That is nuts. Yeah. I'm going to crack open mine. I have to give it, you know, it's whole, it's whole due, you know, since these were provided by Sweetwater Brewery for the show. Uh, but well, I you figured can. we'd get some Falcons takes in before that, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I uh, want to touch on some of the things you mentioned, but before that, of course, want to get Evan's thoughts as well on uh, this first win. Evan, how are you feeling about the team now that they've officially gotten in the win column? Um, I mean, it's it's a good feeling, I guess, to get a win, obviously. But, um, you know, just I haven't been on the show in a while. So, like, my thoughts, like, kind of overall so far after the three games is, like, I'm optimistic. I see a lot of good things. I think this is a better team than they were last year, even if, you know, record doesn't always in stats, you know, obviously sacks have gone up a lot, but just how they've, you know, the first two games, um, I think they lost by what a combined like four or five points and, you know, it was weird fashion how they, you know, were beating the saints and then ended up blowing it to them. And then in the second game, they almost came back against the Rams. Um, Seahawks obviously were probably more a uh, of an opponent on their level, but you know we're seeing like certain guys really step up. Like Kyle Pitts, um, you know, was basically neglected in the first two games. Where in this one we finally saw like right out of the gate, like, hey, um, using him does benefit the team. Like he's not the reason they won, like overall, but like he's really good. Like some of those catches he was making very impressive um obviously Cordero Patterson like you know I know in fan and if you fall fantasy there was a lot of people you know phasing him out and last year he was really yeah. good in fantasy um luckily I you know as a fan or whatever uh decided to take him as ma- in as many leagues as I could um earlier than probably he should have went but uh he's been beneficial um it's a long season obviously so I expect they'll you know, factor in Algier and Avery Williams and Damian Williams when he gets back. But so far, I mean, Cordero Patterson was looking great. Uh, what he went in was an offensive uh, player of the week or whatever for yes. NFC. Like, really good stuff there. Um, Mariota, 
um, you know, I, I see some good stuff. Like I know he's got some problems. Um, some of his passes are questionable, obviously fumbling the ball. Um, I noticed uh, definitely in this game, for some reason, when he throws the ball, it seems like it's not like a direct pass. It's kind of like a weird, like it has like an arch in it, even when it doesn't always have to uh, have one. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, it's like a high yeah. pass, like he's just dumping it off and it just kind of, I don't know. But yeah, um, no, I, see what I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah he, oh, I mean, he definitely like one thing float with... it in. Yeah. Oh. Dave, are you still there? Yep, I'm still here. <laughs> I think we, I, I don't know, I, we might have jinxed Evan with all this like hurricane talk. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, that's uh, just a connection issue, and that's okay. More we got there him we back. Go. Welcome sorry, back, sorry. Evan. It's okay. Sorry, I, I was like, that. oh god, we jinxed him with all this hurricane talk. I don't even talk. know where. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know what the last thing you heard was, but um, yeah, you were talking. You, the last thing I heard was uh, Mar uh, you liked marietta's play you know you thought that he was arcing his passes a little bit but otherwise yeah then, yeah. yeah um i mean and, you know he's got some bad stuff but uh what i was going to say was there's been you know in the definitely in the first game in the second game um some some place where the play breaks down and this is nothing against matt ryan but you just see where mariota is able to extend the play and the benefits of having a quarterback who can run um, and especially, you know, the modern NFL, a lot of the best quarterbacks have the ability to run and scramble out of the pocket and stuff like that. And, and we've seen that where I would be like, oh, that's a Matt Ryan sack. Nothing gets Matt Ryan. That's just how it is. Where like now Mariota can kind of run out and might pick up a few yards. So, yeah, no, I think that that aspect of his game of being a threat on the ground and his, his mobility has certainly, I think been a better fit for this offense than Matt Ryan was. I, I Matt Ryan certainly offers you, I think more as a passer overall, mm -hmm. but um, Mariota has been able to evade sacks that, that would have taken down Matt Ryan. And that's just sort of a limitation of Matt Ryan's game. And I think earlier in his career, he was able to evade more than we've seen, even with the Colts, you know, the Colts have, a pretty good offensive line. He's been sacked an enormous amount of times there. And I think it's just because he, he can't move like he, he used to be able to. So while I, I believe that it's, it's a downgrade for the Falcons um, overall at quarterback, I think the way that Marcus Mariota plays is a better fit for the offense. So despite the possible, you know, the lack of maybe dynamic passing ability that Matt Ryan offers you, Mariota's ability to run and his ability to evade pressure is probably that's resulting in a better overall offense, even though Ryan probably is a better passer because I think it's uh I just think it's a better fit, better fit overall. Um, so I, I'm excited to see that obviously. I mean, I don't think any of us were expecting the offense to really realistically be like significantly better this year considering they were losing Ryan, but so far drastically better than last year. And, it's easy to forget, but last year, you know, they opened the season with two blowout losses and a third, you know, week three, I think was another blowout. So, um, they really struggled early on. Um, and I think I remember after week two, the Falcons were minus 49 in point differential. And now through three weeks, the Falcons are only one and two, but their point differential is minus one. Um, they're only, you know, and that's pretty impressive. I think it shows you how much better this team probably is than last year, considering they've also played, you know, at least one serious playoff contender in the Rams and sort of a fringe 
outfitting the Saints. Um, but that was before the Saints, you know, Winston was hurt and all this stuff. So it's, it's I think, uh, it was a more full power version of the Saints than the one we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Falcons' offense so far has been much better than anticipated, and Cordell Patterson's a big part of that. Um, but yeah, Dave, uh, how do how have they done it? How have they managed to keep Cordell Patterson hot? Uh, last year, it seemed like teams had sort of figured it out, or maybe he ran out of steam, but it seems like that is no longer an issue. Do you think it's more Patterson just really hitting his stride, or the offensive line playing better, or maybe a little of both? I think it's a little bit of everything, you know, he is fresh. It's the, it's the beginning of the season. Um, so I, I think that's obviously a factor, right? Like he doesn't have as many uh, miles on his tires as, as some guys do at his age um, because he hasn't been playing running back full time, but you know, obviously it, it takes its toll over time um, no matter how good you are at, at, you know, age 30 and above playing that position. So I think him being fresh has helped, but I also think it, it's him being comfortable. He talks a lot about, and that's one of the things that I really like hearing from Patterson is like the esteem he has for Arthur Smith and the coaching staff. Like he feels like they're putting him in a position to succeed. He's right. Um, you know, and so he's very comfortable with his role. I, I think we, it's easy to forget that last year he was behind Mike Davis on the depth chart at the beginning of the year. He only had seven carries in each of the first three weeks. So he wasn't really like a full-time player, a full-time running back. He was certainly, you know, splitting out wide a little bit more, catching more passes. So he's he's locked into this role. He knows what's expected of him. I, I do think that the offensive line is definitely blocking better for him than they did a year ago. Um, if you look at, you know, Patterson and Davis's, you know, yards before contact number last year, it was terrible for both of them pretty much all year even though Patterson got going in spite of it. So I, I really think it's a perfect storm of things where like you've got him at the beginning of the season, he's ready to go. Um, he's in his second year here. He's really comfortable in his role. The line is blocking better for him. And he's just quarter Patterson. Like this guy is insanely talented. I don't understand to this day why it took so long for a team to say, we should really make him a full-time running back and try to set him up for success that way. Cause he's just built for this. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll have some slower weeks later in the season when he tires out a little bit. But, you know, I wouldn't bet against him for anything because the guy's incredible. Um, and he's he's just he's being put in a position to succeed. And to his credit, he's doing it. Yeah, it's he's one of the most fun players for me to watch. I mean, he's such a, an electric personality, sort of an understated I would say an understated like speaker, like he doesn't like he doesn't come across as like one of these wide receivers that's like, oh, yeah, me, me, me. But like you can tell by how he carries himself and how he plays. He's so like outgoing, but he does it through actions. Like, uh, like he's just the way he throws the ball after a big run or like he trucks into people, celebrates with guys on the sideline. Um, he's just one of the heartbeats of this team. And I'm just so happy for him that he could finally have an offensive role. Like, I can't believe it took until he was age 30 for someone to figure this out. Like, yeah, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, you know, we, we do have to, I think, give some credit to um, Dave Ragone and, and Charles London, you know, in Chicago, too, for getting him here, because they clearly saw glimpses of what he could do in a, in a pretty terrible Chicago offense. And and I know advocated to bring him over to Atlanta. And, you know, maybe the, the Falcons front office and coaching staff would have figured that out anyways. But like. I think he's just one of those guys like he seems like an incredible person, too. So I think a lot of people 
got invested in his success and it, it helped land him here. So it's just a big deal. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. Evan, I know, uh, Patterson's one of your favorite players too. You talked about him in fantasy. Uh, what do you think is the secret? Do you think he's just sort of unlocked his a bit like, cause I think he's running with better vision and stuff like that. He looks very, you know, spry at this point for a 31 year old running back. But do you, do you think it's Patterson sort of finding his, his second wind here in the NFL or is it the run, the, the offensive line in front of him or a little bit of both? I think it's a mixture of everything. Um, I mean, we saw it last year, but the offense has more weapons just for Drake London being there and Kyle Pitts, you know, being a threat. Um, and you know, with Mariota being able to also now scramble, they can't, they, there has to be somebody keeping an eye on him too. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't understand how, because you, you look to, it wasn't just in Chicago. He was also in new England for like a year or a year or two. Right. And Bill Belichick's like one of the best coaches ever. And it's like, they didn't really figure it out. Like it took him coming to Atlanta to really unleash what Cordero Patterson can be you know he was a all pro and stuff but it was special teams now through you know through the offense it's like he's like you know I think third or fourth right now in rushing yards um through through the whole league um it's it's pretty remarkable especially at his age um but yeah he's he's a really good dude um I love that he wants to be in Atlanta and that you know he kind of jokes around but like on Twitter, he tries to recruit players who aren't really like have a shot at coming to Atlanta, but like jokingly or whatever, maybe serious does it anyways. Um, he's just a good locker room guy and easy to pull for. And I, I have no idea how it's working or why it's working, but um, I'm just glad it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Just, you know, don't argue with it too much. Uh, the, the run game, the run game was one of the biggest weaknesses on the roster last year. Even though we had Patterson, um, the consistency wasn't there and the big running games. He had like one, I think, 100-yard game, maybe two. Um, but it was, the consistency wasn't there. Um, like I think he had like 500-something yards on the ground all season. He's got over 300 already. Um, so he clearly on pace for a much better season, 6.2 yards per carry on f- almost 50 carries thus far this year. I mean, it's just a absurdly good season for him so far. Uh, very excited to see that. Um, yeah, and just checking in, I mean, the Falcons right now, ninth in points scored, uh, 14th in total yardage uh, on offense. And on in the run game, uh, they are fifth in yardage and uh, seventh in yards per carry. So, I mean, this is a much better run run uh run game in general i mean especially considering week one their best game they played the saints who still have a very good run defense the falcons certainly made them look silly but um they've they've beaten some two good defenses at this point the seahawks definitely don't count as a good defense but um they have managed to do it against two pretty good units um and that leads us naturally to the passing game which has been efficient um, but hasn't been particularly voluminous, I guess you could say. Like they haven't thrown the ball a ton. Like this this team is thirty first in passing attempts so far. Uh so we'll get to that in a second. I do want to read some of these donations um before we transition to some some Marcus Mariota and passing game talk. We've got Mad Tom K with the three dollars. He says, Thank you, Mad, also by the way. He says uh, on a positive note, this is the first time 
that I really felt like we got a good view of what this offense can become. They were running at will. Marietta was tossing it deep and the best weapons all got going. Hope they can keep this going. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I, I I think that dovetails into the passing game discussion that we're going to have here in a second, which is, I think they're probably best when Mariota's throwing it like less than 30 times a game, Um, going for this efficient uh, passing offense that's not giving a lot of volume and you're letting sort of your running backs take over. Um, And, you know, if Patterson can hold up to the the strain of doing this for a whole season, that could be very, very deadly. if he needs a spell, then we really need someone like Tyler Algier to step up. And, you know, we'll probably see Damian Williams again here at some point, too, and we'll see what he can do in the rotation. But, yeah, Matt, I think that's a good point. I think that this game against the Seahawks, you're probably hoping to score into the 30s, which I think they would have if not for the uh, the fumbled exchange between Algier and Mariota. I think that was a scoring drive. Uh, I know a lot of people blame the drone, the drone stoppage uh, as well for slowing down that drive. Um, and I think, you know, you're, you're probably onto something there, but unfortunately can't control that. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you for that, Matt. And then we have a question from uh, DJ stud 1987 with the $5. Thank you for that, man. Appreciate it. He says, uh, who are some of the uh, potential free agent prospects in the trenches? The Falcons may be interested in next year. The O-line is playing well, but I feel we need one more dominant piece at center or left guard. Yeah, I pulled up the list. I mean, right now, it's not super-duper stacked. There will be some people, you know, cut and some re-signed and all this, so we'll see how it goes. Um, The Falcons probably looking at, like, an interior guy or a right tackle if they don't re-sign McGarry. And if McGarry keeps playing like this, they'll probably just re-sign McGarry, honestly. Um since he's been in the building, it's 28 and all that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, names that I would keep an eye on, like if they don't re-sign McGarry, uh, Jack Conklin, the Bears' right tackle, he's one of the best right tackles in the game. Um, you know, if they are trying to get an upgrade there, he'd be really expensive, but potentially someone that could be interesting. Um, we could see a reunion with Wes Schweitzer, right? Uh, he's <laughs> he's a free agent next year uh, with the Commanders, and he's played really well since leaving Atlanta, actually, so that could be someone... Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Uh, I know Isaiah Wynn had a lot of fans here, obviously. Um, he's going to be a free agent next year. You know, we'll see how many of these guys actually end up hitting the open market. Uh, Jawan Taylor was a guy I liked a lot. Um, didn't have his fifth year option picked up. Uh, I mean, Cody Ford, uh, is a guard now. Hasn't really played much, but somebody I liked. So, um, you know, Ellington Jenkins, right, of the Packers, but they're, they'd be silly to not re-sign him. So those are sort of the guys I'm keeping an eye on, but I suspect uh, a lot of those guys will get re-signed, but maybe some of them will break free. Or, um, You know, I think the defensive line, they're probably going to try to target mostly in the draft. That would be my guess. But uh, excellent question. Definitely something we're going to be monitoring as the season goes on to see uh, see how, how that evolves. Um, yeah, uh, let's get into the passing game. Dave, I'll go to you first on this one. The Falcons haven't really had a ton of yardage through the air or a ton of touchdowns, just three touchdowns, uh, only 79 passing attempts, which, like I said, is 31st. But uh, they are eighth in net yards per attempt uh, with se- at 7.0 yard- uh, net yards per attempt, which is really good, actually. Um, so what do you think about the passing game? Like, are you disappointed? Is this about what you expected? Uh, are you hoping for more, uh, from Mariota or are you pretty satisfied with what we've seen from him so far? I mean, I'm hoping for more in the sense that I would like to see, you know, 
you could say this about anybody, but it's definitely true of him. Um, you know, I'd like to see fewer mistakes. Obviously, he's missing on some throws, um, maybe taking some hits. He doesn't need to back there because he's taking his time. But at the same time, like, you know, for what this offense needs him to do, he's done really well. Um, I, I really do believe that. I think if you look at the the deep passing attempts, he's hit more of those than I expected. He's been more aggressive about going for them. And the Falcons obviously have given him some weapons that make that possible, but he's still he's still hitting those. I know he's missing some, and that's that's kind of what I'm referring to, right? Between the fumbles and the misses, that's frustrating. But you know, my expectations were pretty pretty muted for this passing game, um, and obviously London being great right out of the gate helps with that. But I think you have to credit uh, Mariota for you know, first of all, the connection with London. He's obviously got a good one but also spreading the ball around. You know, he's been looking for Zacchaeus. He's, he's found Hodge. He's certainly found Hesse at least once a game on a desperation heave, it feels like. So, you know, obviously, I think if he could clean up a few of the mistakes, this thing could really be humming. But, you know, given my, you know, so-so expectations for the passing game, I think Mariota's done a good job. Um, and I, I think he's done what they've asked him to do. And so, you know, with, like, the Browns coming up, maybe – with or without Miles Garrett and, and a couple of the tough matchups, we'll get a, a closer look, I think, at what he can do. Um, but I'd like to see him, you know, over the next few weeks, I think we we all expect to see him in that role for at least half the season. Um, and if he can clean things up just a little bit from here, I, I think he keeps the job longer because he's certainly done, I think, a pretty good job of piloting this thing. And at the very least, he's given us a sense of what this offense will look like when what whoever the upgrade is whoever the next quarterback is hopefully comes in and takes things over but you know I, I think if you back it out and you say after what the Falcons almost did this offseason after trading Ryan like bringing in Mariota a guy who was really good and gracious by all accounts with Desmond Ritter who's a good locker room guy just a good person and then he's stepping in and, and you know with his limitations that we know he has playing pretty good football keeping them in games um, you know, taking those deep shots that maybe nobody really expected him to take. He's done a good job. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think um, I, I pretty much am on point with what you said. And I've talked a lot about Mariota, so I definitely want to get your your guys' thoughts more before I, I keep going on. So, Evan, give you a chance now. What do you think about how Mariota has handled the passing game so far? Uh, your thoughts on sort of his play and, and uh is he has he met your expectations are you hoping for more where, where are you at on, on Mariota um I think he's met him um I really didn't know like I didn't have a strong feel going into the season one way or another um he you know he's a good guy and stuff like that who's getting a you know a second chance basically because with the Raiders he was just the backup he wasn't really getting the chance now he gets kind of that second wind um and I mean it's been the way I look at it is like you said, Kevin, after the whole Watson thing, um, him being kind of that, I guess, plan B at the time, um, they came out with somebody who wasn't super expensive, who's not going to be the reason you lose the game. Probably. Um, he may factor into it somewhat or whatever, but he's also not like, Oh, our quarterback just sucks. And I get, um, you know, everyone wants to see Ritter. Like, we're all excited to see what Ritter can do. And I knew before the season, like, that was going to be a thing. Like, the second Mariota throws an interception or whatever, you want to see Ritter. Uh, unfortunately, they're not going to do that 
this early. Um, they're going to see kind of where the season's at right now being one and two should have been, you know, two and one could have been technically three, and zero oh, if some other things went right. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're going to see Ritter probably about week. I don't know what exact week it is, but when we play the bears and Panthers, I think we had played the Panthers and then the bears and, um, there's a pretty good stretch right there where that would be a good spot to bring him in if the season's, you know, pretty much out of it. Cause you do want to see Ritter, but, um, Mariota, I mean, I, I think he, you, you know, you kind of get what you paid for with him. Yeah. Um, hasn't been, you know, completely terrible or anything like that. Um, is he the future? No, not at all. But I think he's a good bridge to whatever the future is. Um, you could do a lot worse. He's not Joey Harrington or something like that. So um, I'm, Joey Harrington I'm, just out there catching strays. You know? <laughs> yeah, no offense to him, but he's yeah, he's no Joey Harrington. Um, I had to go watch. I, I wouldn't watch Joey Harrington that one year. Uh, what was it, 2007, um, when they played in Jacksonville, and that was I would like my money back still. But um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I I like where you're going with that. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think Mariota has been probably either about what I expected or maybe even a little bit better. And I think this last game gave us a little bit more faith um, in him because of his finally choosing to push the ball deep. And I think it worked out really well in this game for the most part. I mean, I know the first throw to Pitts didn't connect, but that the deep passing game is always going to take the longest to, to hit, um, to come together because it just takes reps. It takes practice, especially when you have a new quarterback come in and a new, you know, a lot of new receiving options come in. It's just, it's something that you can't force to happen quickly. You just have to sort of learn. Um, but I think particularly with Lamade Zacchaeus, Mariota has a great connection with him on the deep stuff. I think he's still developing it. With uh, Kyle Pitts, we've definitely seen him hit Kaderil Hodge and Drake London on a lot of intermediate stuff. So, And there was almost a deep Drake London touchdown. It was really well defended uh, by Seahawks corner Michael Jackson, I think is who it was. Um, just a really well defended play there. But, I mean, he, he hit uh, London in stride there. So that it's coming together. It's not 100% there yet. Um, but I, I think it's been about what you were hoping for. Um, it's, he, he certainly hasn't come in and lit the league on fire or anything like that, but I think Mariota's done enough every week to keep the Falcons in contention, uh, in contention. Um, as you can see by the, you know, the minus one point differential over three games, like this team has been absolutely in it, uh, in every single game and, and threatening, you know, to be three and O and, um, looking at sort of all the advanced stuff to give us an idea. Like I know you guys are probably familiar with, um, DVOA, which is one of the advanced statistics that tracks teams. It's one of the most consistently correct ones, I would say. Um, and it sort of looks at the entire picture of the team. And last year, DVOA absolutely hated the Falcons. Like, it, it ranked them like 32nd most of the year. Like, they were just all from the very beginning, it thought they were fraudulent, you know, that they were one of the worst 7 and 10 teams. Well, one of the only 7 and 10 teams because we've only had 17 games for one season, but, you know, seven win teams at least. Um, and all that. Uh, this year, it's not the case. Uh, DVOA right now has the Falcons at 14th. Um, so they're right about league average. And I think watching the games, that sort of checks checks out with what I've seen as well. Um, and like they break it down by offense and defense, special teams as well. So for the record, 
uh, their eighth and offensive uh, DVOA or VOA or whatever. They're uh, all the way down at 27 in defense, which is not surprising, but they're sixth in special teams. So they're actually getting a big boost from the special teams, which I think has been quite good. Um, But yeah, does that, Dave, I'll go to you first on that. Does, Does that sort of track with your thoughts on the team that they're sort of playing more league average than their one and two record would suggest? Absolutely. And and I think, again, you know, who knows what this team's ceiling is this year. I still feel like there's a hard cap on it, um, but they are certainly better in the early going than I would have expected. You know, I, I thought that, you know, when the, when the Rams went up 28 to three, which did not trigger me at all, um, you know, that that felt like, OK, they're cooked. Right. And the fact that they they climbed back into it. Um, at all that they, you know, were so close with the Saints, even if they ultimately kind of blew it. And the fact that they they hung tough against Seattle, like this is what the team last year could not do. You know, playing good teams, they got blown out. Playing below average to average teams, they would win, you know, I think the, the most they won by last year was eight um, or they would lose and they lost a lot more than they won. So, you know, to me, this team is definitely better than they were last year and they are more like an average team. And I think it'll be really interesting to see like, you know, in the coming weeks with some of the tougher matchups that they have ahead of them, do they kind of fall back to earth a little bit? And we say, okay, yes, there are, you know, we know what the defensive limitations are, right. But there are some limitations on offense too, you know, next year it'll be great. Or do they kind of stay in this, this stratosphere and and end up winning, maybe a few more games than expected. And I think the fact that we're, at least I'm sitting here and saying that feels like a legitimate possibility, you know, that they could hang tough with some teams and really kind of be in the middle of the pack throughout the year is something that I wasn't really thinking to start this thing off. So that's that's really encouraging. Yeah, I think the way they lost the first two, you know, the first one obviously leaves a really bad taste in your mouth, but the the Rams one coming back in that when last year, whenever they got down like that, they basically just got the shit kicked out of them. Um, and that hasn't happened this year. They've managed to hang tough with everyone. Obviously beating up on the Seahawks, they probably should have won this game by another touchdown or at least a field goal. Um, they did, I think, get a little bit lucky in the second half with the, the Seahawks sort of shooting themselves in the foot on a couple of occasions. And, um the Seahawks are clearly not a team that's designed to like close the gap on anyone. Like they want to run the ball and they, and their, their passing game is predicated on this like short, quick passing that, uh, Geno Smith has actually shown that he's pretty good at, um, you know, leading, I think he was leading the league in completion percentage last, uh, going into that game at over 80%. He was, he's just lethal with those short to intermediate passes. It's hard to come back with that style of play, especially against a team like the Falcons. That's just destroying you on the ground, which is exactly what they did. They just really, cut down the game in the second half. Um, but that sort of brings me to the next, to the other side of that, um, which would be the defense. I did want to get Evan, your take on sort of where you think the team are. Do you think that like their DVOA sort of suggests that they're more of like a league average team than like a, you know, late twenties team, like some of the power rankings are still saying. Yeah. I mean, I thought they were even before the Seahawks win, um, about league average, um, I can't remember who the exact guy was, but somebody for CBS specifically had them at 32. And I was like, that's harsh considering they almost came back against the Rams and they were beating the hell out of the saints and then just whatever lost. But um, the worst team in the league does not lose games like that 
or almost come back on Super Bowl, former Super Bowl champions like that. Um, but I, yeah, I think they're about league average. And then, you know, I'm a PFF guy. I don't 100% agree with them, but I always like to look at the numbers and stuff like that. Um, like PFF has them right now. Uh, and actually, I'll, I'll ask you guys what, like, where do you think that PFF has them ranked right now? Overall grade, 20 like team wide. I think Dave. 20th. Has them tied fifth. Fifth? Yeah, yeah. It's all um, Cordero Patterson. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And this is like not taking into account losses and stuff like that. It's just overall performance um, and how the team should be. They're, they have the defense ranked 12th because they haven't given up as many points as people probably think um, compared to the rest of the league. And then offensively, they have them ninth. So, I mean, they think they're not the worst team in the league, and I, that's probably a little high. Um, but I think, yeah, I think they're middle of the road um, with potential to creep up into the, I don't know, 15, 14 range if things go right. I mean, there's a it's a long season still, but um, right now I'd put them at, like, probably 18, something in that area. Yeah, that sounds fair. I think anything, like around league average to like 20th is probably about where I would sort of expect them to, to be at mm-hmm. this point. Um, That's the know, thing. Like they're not getting blown out. Yeah. You know, it's easy to get mad at these losses cause they've been pretty stupid with literally losing. Like we should have beat the saints and then they just blew it. And then coming back against the Rams was exciting and literally came down to the wire. Um, those weren't games where we got blown out. And then the Seahawks game was close, but, and we didn't blow them out, but, you know, we didn't – it was a win. Um, so they're not, like, l- losing – like, if they were losing, like, 40 to 10 or something like that, I think we'd be in a lot worse shape. But, like, they're keeping games close. Uh, I think you said it, Kevin. Wasn't the point differential, like, negative minus, one or something? Minus one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's really good compared to – what was it last year? Like, 40s or 30s or something? Yeah this yeah, point it, it, so it was bad. minus 49 i think or maybe even more wow. after week three yeah that's I'm gonna crazy. find out because i want to know but it, yeah it was, it was yeah bad yeah so i mean that tells you right there much better team um but yeah i'd say in the 17 18 range if somebody wants to say 16 fine with that but they're definitely not 32nd yeah no i i agree yeah at this point i think they were let's see uh they did win in week three against the giants um 17 to 14 but so yeah it would they were minus 49 going into that game so they Mm. would be uh minus 46 at week three at this point after that Mm. so um yeah i do wonder i do wonder if we're gonna get a similar result uh because the falcons are gonna be playing the browns you know we're not really not really talking about that give too much in this but you know do the falcons like play a good game but then just like lose that lose it against the browns or what you know i'm interested to see how that goes but yeah, I, I do think that uh, I think that uh, the team is better than I expected. I mean, I I thought they were gonna get the floor wiped, you know, by the Rams. I did think the Saints were gonna win, but the Falcons like sort of outplaying the Saints throughout that game and then just blowing it. While being very familiar, uh, it was better than uh, expected. And then the Rams game, they, you know, it. I thought it was nice to see them fight back and then they sort of handled the Seahawks. I mean, it was definitely back and forth in the first half. I thought the defense played better in the second half. Um, and that's sort of a good segue into talking about the defense too. Um, 
Let me uh, shout out everyone in the chat, by the way. Thanks to everyone for hanging out, uh, talking with us tonight. Uh, appreciate everyone. Please do like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Really appreciate those metrics. Those really help us out. Uh, you can check out the Patreon if you're interested. Getting some exclusive perks like early access to the podcast episodes, ad-free editions of all the content. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you want to get on in on this next patron Q&A that's going to be early next week, I believe. So uh, plenty of time to sign up for that. So check that out, guys. Uh, and let me, you know, commentate on on my beer selection here tonight, which is uh, Sweetwater's Blue, which is one of their wheat ales. Uh, not one I've tried before. Uh, you know, there's there's the color for those of you, you know, craft aficionados. Yeah, uh, it's wheat uh, with a lot of blueberry, but I would say the blueberry is sort of like a lighter uh, flavor. Um, I'd give it a solid B. It's not my, I tend to prefer like citrusy, like, uh, wheats over like, um, sort of fruitier ones. Um, but I mean, I think it's well balanced. Uh, it's not overly sweet, certainly, which is nice, but, uh, yeah, I, I give it a solid B. It's, it's definitely something I, I think it'd be good for like a summer day, you know, uh, outside in the heat, something, something you're looking for something a little bit lighter and crisper. So, uh, that, that's my take there. But Dave, have you had uh, Sweetwater Blue as well? I have not. I, I was excited to see that Sweetwater has made its way up to me in the frozen north, but yeah, I have not run into that one yet, so I'll have to keep an eye out. All right, well, when I do the Sweetwater 420 review, which I could probably do from memory because I've drank so much of that when I lived in Florida, but, um, you know, I'll have to, I then we'll have to pull in Dave because I know he's enjoying it right now, so. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was going to break out something even stronger, but it's Wednesday <laughs> night and I want to be coherent, so. That's fair. That's fair. Um, you know, it's a win, so we don't have to, you know, dr drown our sorrows this week. Uh, so that's nice. It's always nice uh, when that when that can happen. But yeah, let's let's move over to the defense, which has been the the less uh, stellar version of the team. It hasn't been awful, uh, but it's also you know not been good. Certainly, um, you know they were very close to being good against the Saints before they blew it. But that looked like a great performance. Um, it's sort of been a tale of two halves every single week with the defense where we've got a really great half against the Saints, a very good half against the Rams where they kept them sort of in check. And then the same thing against the Seahawks. They allowed just three points in the second half of that game, allowed the offense to take control. Um, but overall, the Falcons 26th in points allowed, 22nd in total yardage, uh, much worse against the pass so far, uh, 27th in yardage there and, and 23 in net yards per attempt on the ground uh 15th in rushing yardage allowed and 20th in yards per attempt um which seems about right i think they've been more consistently like they haven't been dominant at stopping any run games but they've like kept them from going out of control and they've generally forced teams to pass against them at some point in the game um so i think they've been doing enough but uh yeah dave i'll go to you first on the defense uh it hasn't been, I think, as good as we were hoping, but they've managed to take advantage of some opportunities uh, to close out, to, to almost close out games. You know, they uh, defense, special teams kept them in it against the Rams, and then this week closed it out late. Uh, what's your thoughts on that side of the ball through the first three games? It's a work in progress. I, I think even Dean Pease, I think we've seen him tinkering. Like, they came out against the Seahawks, with like five linebackers on the field at the same time, um, you know, to try to get Troy Anderson some work. For some reason, there was a lot of Dean Marlowe and Eric Harris in week two. Like he's he's kind of figuring things out too. I, I do 
and not just because I said it and I, I need to stick with my prediction and I hope it's true, but I do believe this defense will, will look a lot better than it did a year ago by the end of the year. Um, but obviously it, it is still a work in progress. I think the encouraging thing is that they are not wilting, you know, with one exception late in games. Um, that somebody like Richie Grant, who is a big time playmaker that they were missing last year, is out here making impactful plays. You know, he almost had two interceptions in that game if, if Rashawn Evans hadn't been maybe a little bit overly excited to get his hands on that uh, that pass. Um, he might have come down with two. So like they do have, it feels like more playmakers in here now. We know that Michael Walker is very capable of that. Um, certainly Grady Jarrett has been bouncing back i think with a little bit more help around him so to me it's just a matter of time before this defense starts looking you know maybe not great but certainly better than they've looked so far obviously i have not been super thrilled with with the results we've seen if you look at week three you know people say well they only allowed three points in the second half which is true or that you know they they bent but didn't break but also they bent really really far they were <laughs> 420 you know, yards yeah a couple of plays away from like losing the falcons this game let's be honest um and, and i'm super glad they didn't and grant's interception and jared sack were huge plays um that they weren't making a year ago but you know my expectations for the defense is still they're going to get better with time um i think anderson's kind of a wild card he might be a big time contributor later this year but you know, guys like Walker, guys like Grant, Hawkins, they're only going to get better with more playing time. So I'm I'm still optimistic about them. I think it's going to take a few more weeks. I'm really bracing uh, against Cleveland with, you know, their rushing attack about what this is going to look like. But, you know, I'd say I'm not necessarily thrilled with what I've seen so far, but I know, you know, the, the glimmers of promise are there. I've been happy with some of the late plays that they've made that have been game changing. And, and I do think by the time we get to the end of the 2022 season, we're going to see the progress here. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, that's a good segue into Evan. I was going to ask you what were some of who are some of the the defensive players that have stood out to you, and and your thoughts overall on on the defense so far. Yeah, uh, aside from the ones Dave mentioned, um, like Taquan Graham has quietly had like a good start to the season. Um, Rashawn Evans, you know, good free agent signing who's stepped up. Um, Michael Walker, I mean, I know Dave mentioned him, but he's been playing really good. And then Richie Grant, obviously, uh, I think he basically took Eric Harris's job. But um, overall, I mean, it's early yet. I'm not going to freak out. Um, I think they're, they've given up like the 20, I don't know, I think they're like 25th or something in points allowed. Um, but they've, you know, if you look at like how some of the games went where, playing the saints they weren't giving up many points and then they kind of caved at the end and then against the rams it's like they gave up points but then they started coming together towards the end so it's like it's a really and then what 24 23 points allowed to the seahawks um they're they're a bit up and down but it's a long season and i'm you know optimistic i think there's some guys who are stepping up um and if anything if the deep you know the defense still struggling by the end of the year. I think there's a couple young guys that really are going to be something worth keeping, you know, going, going into next season, Richie Graham, I mean, seeing the progress he's made, you know, you have a good safety there, Mike Walker, you know, linebacker we're going to have in the future. Um, 
Garen Hall, I think, is another guy who's looked pretty good. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Taquan Graham, guy on the defensive line that you can, you know, look forward to seeing um, for the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're not a great defense and they're not a terrible defense, but they're what on pace for 40 sacks or something like that, which is a lot better than <laughs> last year. So, I mean, I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, definitely would take that number of sacks. And I think that's yeah. been sort of the key here is that when they've been able to get pressure, which has been very inconsistent, but it has happened, the defense actually looks really good. Um, like they, mm. when they get pressure, the, the corners look a lot better. They're able to break up passes. They're able to force mistakes. Um, and the defense plays a lot better, which is not surprising. Um, but when they when they drop back and play zone, which they do frequently because they like to blitz so much, um, you know, it's it's you can blitz from man. Like I know, I think some people are under the impression that like, oh, well, you either blitz, you know, with zone or you just don't blitz in man. Like you can blitz in man. The danger is like if the quarterback recognizes who's coming before the snap, you know, you can usually hit a wide open hot route to to whichever player is running free uh, after you've blitzed it's easier to sort of disguise who's open uh, when you're playing zone. Um, but the, I think in zone coverage, they've been pretty bad. Like they, they, I don't think they're playing it well. I think AJ Terrell plays a lot, is a lot more effective when he can play like closer to the receivers and break up passes and stuff like that. We know Casey Hayward is better in zone, but um, you know, it, it hasn't been great from Casey Hayward thus far. I mean, I think he's been fine, but has he been a major upgrade over Fabian Moreau? Like everyone was hoping not so much so far, uh, but it's early still. Um, I definitely wanted to shout out Richie Grant, who I, who is sort of emerging as one of the better players on defense overall. I think he's like second on the team in PFF rating or something like that. Um, it's great to see that from him. He almost had two interceptions this last week. He had a couple of key run stops also had a pretty bad missed tackle, but you know, it, it he made a lot of tackles in the game. So I'm, I'll let that one slide, but um yeah, you know you mentioned Michael Walker as well, um, and Taquan Graham, and Rashawn like Rashawn Evans, like all guys that they they really desperately needed to step up uh, because they didn't have the resources to go out and, and reinforce the interior. But uh, Taquan Graham like really has I think stepped up um, and played like a starter, which they really badly needed. They don't necessarily have the depth behind him. I do think Abdullah Anderson has sort of been a nice depth piece. Um, you know, so it's nice to have him, but you, you could just feel like if they had Vincent Taylor and Eddie Goldman, I feel like this would actually be like a decent defensive line. Um, I just think like with those two guys, both exiting, you know, Taylor to injury and, and Goldman deciding he, he wanted to retire. It's like that just really exposed the depth here. Um, and it, it hasn't been what they were hoping for. Um, yeah. And I, I think the only thing I'd add to that is like, we do have to remember the Falcons have thankfully been really healthy so far this year. And yeah. like, that is, is not something we can take for granted all year. And I think depth wise, we're still going to see, especially on defense, um, some problems if that, that depth gets exposed as you alluded to, but hopefully not for a long time, if ever. Yeah. Um, I think that, the injuries, like, it's funny because they actually put a lot of guys on IR at the start of the season. Thankfully, um, they haven't had to put a lot more guys on IR, um, so that helps. But the big one, I think, is Isaiah Oliver because right now we've seen this sort of rotation in the slot between Mike Ford, 
D'Alford and Eric Harris. And I do wonder if that sort of constant shifting at that spot is preventing the defense from getting a little bit of chemistry, the secondary from sort of learning. You know, I, I think D'Alford has looked the best in coverage. I think Ford offers you a bit more against the run and, you know, Eric Harris is sort of the other end of that spectrum. Like he's going to be much more effective against the run as a safety, but uh, not going to be covering receivers particularly well. Um, so I'm curious, uh, what do you think about the return of some guys? Marlon Davidson could be coming back at some point. Isaiah Oliver is the big one. I do wonder if Oliver is going to be like a key piece to sort of unlock what this defense maybe is supposed to look like. Um, I'm curious, Dave, what are your thoughts on, on, Isaiah Oliver coming back it could be as early as week five. How how important do you think his return is to maybe shoring up this secondary? I think it's really important. I think the the issue for me is like the, the team was playing Oliver right in preseason, so that tells me he was probably pretty close. And if he can hit the ground running as soon as he comes back, I think that's a huge deal for the defense. I think. You know, Mike Ford has held his own. D. Alford has held his own. Um, you know, you're, you're ideally not trotting out Eric Harris as much as I like him um, as your nickel all that often. So he is going to be a difference maker to me based on what we saw last year and how much he was thriving early on. Getting Oliver back is going to help this defense a lot. Um, the question for me, again, would be like if they didn't feel he was ready to be a full time contributor, you know, and that's why they put him on IR. Does he still need some time when he gets back to get acclimated and adjusted? Um, and does that impact things? But whether he's ready in week five or week eight, whatever it may be, I, I do think it's a big deal for him to come back. And, you know, I would add Marlon Davidson, given the shaky state of this team's depth, if he comes back and he's healthy, which I'm hoping, um, he could be a big difference maker as well. Not as much as Oliver, but um, certainly, certainly a factor. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it has, he's the type of guy that I wonder how important he really is to the whole scheme, because I think right now they're sort of taking D Alford out a lot because of his stature. Like if he really is what he's listed at, which is like 5'11", 175, like he's just not going to be an asset against the run and could be picked on if he's kept in there full time. So I think that's why we saw Eric Harris, uh, and we've seen Mike Ford some, um, it's not that we've actually seen Alford like struggle as a tackler uh, or anything like that, but I think they're worried that if they start, if they leave him in there, teams can sort of game plan to just run right at the slot. Um, and that's probably not going to be his forte. Uh, Oliver certainly offers you more of that safety frame, right? At over six foot and 200 plus pounds. So, you know, if they're able to keep him in there consistently as the slot guy, I do wonder if that will help sort of stabilize things, help them sort of learn to, learn to communicate a little bit better. I just, I feel like it can't be helping to have guys like constantly shuffling in and out, but um, you know, just have to get over that. But yeah, Evan, I wanted to get your thoughts on Isaiah Oliver coming back and any other players coming off IR that you think might be uh, major contributors going uh, over the rest of the season. Um, the only one other one is uh, I'm interested to see what happens with Deion Jones, right? Cause he's, I can't remember what his specific injury is or whatever, but he's on IR, isn't he? Yeah. So, you know, if they are they still trying to trade him, you think? Probably. Or you think it's uh, pretty much a like yeah. maybe he comes back and they <laughs> see what they have in him still and something happens in the offseason or I think they want to trade him. Um I I wouldn't be surprised if they try to give him some playing time 
to try to entice someone to to go after him um Mm -hmm. but you know i i don't know how quickly he'll be back or what the what's what the deal is with all that but i guess we'll see (laughs) it's just a weird kind of sad situation though like to think he was for a moment like one of the better linebackers in the league and now like we're begging someone to take him and they don't want him yeah just crazy but um he's really the only other one i'm kind of interested on seeing like how that situation goes yeah 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 um i think that that is a good one to, to monitor as well. The Deion Jones one, I forgot that Marlon Davidson, like, I don't know how big of a contributor he was slotted to be. Um, you know, it seems like he was sort of falling out of favor with this coaching staff um, and just his inability to stay healthy. You know, you sort of wonder um, how long he, he is for, for the roster, if they'll just keep him on IR or whatever's going on there. But um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I really wanted to touch on. If you guys have any details from the game or, or about the team that you wanted to get to tonight. Drake uh, London is really yeah, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, go for it. I I just oh, spent no, like an just, entire film review talking about him, so I, I feel yeah, like I've said it. But, yeah, go at, ahead. Um, at PFF numbers for him. And can you guess – well, actually, that would be kind of easy probably. But here's, here's the receivers who have a better uh, – PFF thinks are better so far through the first three games than uh, Drake London. So AJ Brown, which is like, okay, Jalen Waddle. Okay. Stefan Diggs and Cooper cup. That's who PFF thinks is better than Drake London so far this year. So, I mean, that's a good sign considering he's a rookie um, receiver. So, yeah, that's very impressive. He has been, I think everything they could have hoped uh, so far. I think he's Mm -hmm. on pace to break, even Kyle Pitts, you know, rookie receiving record for the Falcons and Julio Jones as well. Um, yeah, I agree there. Dave, did you have any thoughts on, on Drake London's sort of explosive start to his career here? Just, uh, I, I think I'm going to trust this uh, this front office if they decide to pick weapons early in the draft. I mean, hopefully we're not getting like a third straight first round receiving option, especially if they're picking top 10, just because I think they need to mix things up a little bit. But yeah. No, they certainly, you know, they nailed the Pitts pick, even if the results have been a little bit uneven in terms of how he's used. And they've certainly nailed London. Like he, to me, his catch radius, his hands, um, you know, his ability to win contested catches, his ability to get open, the rapport he's got with um, Mariota already, like just super advanced stuff for a rookie. And, and you know, they thought he was the best guy in the class and they had to get him. And, and so far they're right. So to me, like the fact that no matter who's under center, they're going to be able to throw to London and Pitts, um, you know, for years to come. You, you've spoiled that guy. So it's pretty awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've been extremely impressed there. And I was very much like team, you know, draft defense or draft an offensive lineman. But I did, you know, make it clear, like if they're going to take a wide receiver, I think it should be London because I think he's the the alpha receiver. I think he's the, the quintessential X wide receiver one that they really need to complement Kyle Pitts. And with teams continuing to focus on Pitts, London has been a big beneficiary of that. That's what this offense really lacked last year, especially once Ridley went down, which was that they just didn't have anyone to like really threaten a defense. Like if you dedicated one or two extra defenders to Kyle Pitts, you know, you could generally just cover the Falcons of the receivers one-on-one because they just weren't really that dynamic. But with London, 
teams are going to start having to rotate coverage his direction. They can't just focus on Kyle Pitts, and that's been, I think, a huge deal for this offense. I also think the complementary pieces for those guys have gotten better. Uh, I think that Zacchaeus has really stepped up to be the wide receiver too, even. Um, and I know this is the revolt in the chat saying, you know, hey, I just wanted to point out that I, I said this in the spring, and you're absolutely right. Uh, I think Zacchaeus is like, a high-end wide receiver too, according to PFF's rankings. So like um, a very good start for him so far. Uh, Kadero Hodge has been, I think, much more productive than anyone was expecting so far. Hasn't caught like a ton of passes, but they've all been like really long catches. I think he's like 19 yards per catch or something like that. So that's been nice to see. Uh, even guys like Parker Hesse um, hasn't necessarily been a factor in the receiving game, but as a blocker, uh, extremely good as a blocker so far which always sort of was his like ceiling there but we just hadn't quite seen it um and he's really i think stepped up to that lee smith role and even offers more some more flexibility as like a halfback sort of uh you know backfield blocker and things like that too and we know how much they love to do stuff like that so um i think overall it's been just sort of everyone stepping up in in the passing game you know, the offensive line is the other factor, right? Like Chris Lindstrom, elite. He's having another tremendous season. Um, Colby Gossett, I thought, played well at guard last week when he had to step in. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, not No complaints for me there. Uh, Jake Matthews has been his reliable, uh, good self, too. Uh, Caleb McGarry, I think, is having his like best season, according to PFF, so far. As just like an above-average right tackle. But that's, look, you know, uh, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, and then uh, Elijah Wilkinson, I think, has been sort of a pleasant surprise. Uh, not really a factor as a run blocker, but pass blocking, not bad. And then Drew Dahlman. PFF is, like, really harsh to Drew Dahlman. I feel like he's basically played exactly the same as Matt Hennessy overall. Yeah, they a little bit better. Like, literally, yeah. like, in the 40 range or yeah. something. Yeah, it must yeah, be the that, snaps. That a factor in the snaps. Yeah. But that is the one thing that I, I think. And he, he seemed to do better in week three. I didn't notice any off snaps. But the first two yeah. weeks, that was kind of an issue. So Yeah, I wonder if it is the snaps um, that's really dragging him down. I don't know for sure. But, um, you know, I think as, as a pass blocker, he's been more consistent than Hennessy was I don't think he's been as flashy as a run blocker but um you know I think the, the offensive line in particular has been a, a pleasant surprise so far after I think it was all of our like basically our biggest concern going into the season so um have you guys been pleasantly surprised as well by the offensive line yes oh 100 percent like if you think about it you know McGarry he's in a career year um, a career year. Well, he is in a career year. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a contract year as well. Um, and so, you know, maybe you expected better from him, but maybe not this much better. Um, Dolman kind of being a really nasty run blocker, I think at least is, is a pleasant surprise. And to me, the fact that Wilkinson, you know, playing left guard for the first time in his career is has been pretty good is a huge surprise. So to me, the fact that this line is competent given that it was lining up as a team's biggest weakness is a pleasant surprise. And the fact that they've been better than competent for long stretches is a huge surprise. So yeah, out of all the things that are going right unexpectedly, the line being decent is, is probably my number one, a surprise and, and B source of joy at the moment. Yeah, definitely happy about that. What do you think about the offensive line so far, Evan? 
Yeah, I mean, just speak back off what Dave said, you know, pleasant surprise. Um, and they don't need to be the best line in the league or even top 10. They just don't need to be the worst. And we've seen some flashes of like certain, like in the past where the line's been pretty bad. Um, right now, I mean, I think they're about in the middle somewhere, um, which I'll happily take. Wilkinson, um, I think he missed this past game because of a non-injury thing. But in those first two games, look good. Um, Dahlman at center, you know, PFF's not being too kind to him, as we mentioned, but he hasn't been abysmal or anything, I don't think. Uh, Chris Lindstrom continues to be, like, one of the more underrated guards and probably most underrated guard in the whole league. Um, and, uh, you know, as you mentioned with Jake Matthews and McGarry, I'm I'm okay with them, like, so far. <laughs> so far, so good, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's been a, a very pleasant surprise that the offensive line hasn't been as as big of a problem. I think I think the pass blocking has been better, not like hugely better than last year, but but better and with Marcus Mariota's ability to evade it, evade the pressure and a lot more design uh-huh. rollouts and stuff like that. It's making them look better too, I think. Like that's what's helping cut down on the sacks. So props to, to Arthur Smith for sort of scheming around that. Um and, you know, props to Mariota for finding ways to evade the pressure when it comes. Um, the run blocking, I think, has been the biggest improvement. Um, I think it was very inconsistent last year at best. Uh, and I think in two of the three games, it's been quite good. Um, against the Saints, I thought they did a great job. Against the Seahawks, they also did a great job. The Saints have a great run defense. The Seahawks do not. So it's two, you know, very different quality of opponents. But they, it's not like they've just beat up on poor run, de- run defenses so far. Like they had legitimately what's believed to be one of the best in the league in week one. And then, of course, they beat up on a bad one. So I'm hoping that the consistency can be better because if they can at least take advantage of poor run defenses, this, this is going to be a lot more consistent offense uh, because they're going to be able to lean on that aspect of the game. And obviously... You don't have to be good at running to have success on play action. We've seen this, you know, time and time again, but it helps. <laughs> it helps if you're an effective running team too. Um, so that when you do hand the ball off, it's not just like a wasted down. Um, so I've been, uh, I've been impressed with that. I think it's been nice. Um, yeah, let me, <laughs> I think uh, Corey Carr says no Pro Bowls for Lindstrom. That's ridiculous. I agree. Uh, it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Robert Kelly asking, uh, when are we going to see wide receiver Brian Edwards? So he was active week one and two. He only got, I think, two or three targets. Um, with Edwards, I think, honestly, he's Drake London's, like, backup. And if as long as London's in there, like, he's probably not going to play much. I don't, I don't think he should be inactive, personally. Like, I, I really don't see what Frank Darby offers that Brian Edwards doesn't or Demir Bird, for that matter. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I'm not the one making the calls. But I, I did think that was weird that, like, Frank Darby's getting activated um, over, like, Demir Bird, who we know is, like, a much better athlete <laughs> and, like, just a much more productive seasoned receiver. Um, and then Brian Edwards, who, like, even if he doesn't play a ton, he's huge. We know he can run block and, like, I think the insurance for, for London, just having a guy like Edwards who could step into that exact same role, I, I think would be nice. Um, and then like they, ha- they've been activating Bernhardt, but he's also not really be- a factor there. So how they're choosing to activate these receivers is kind of interesting to me so far. Um, it's what's funny too, is like to cell phone myself, the two people I was most hyped about, like 
the two moves they made, uh, free agent signings or whatever, was Brian Edwards. Well, I know that was a trade. And then Auden Tate and Auden Tate like didn't even make the roster, but yeah. like I was so excited for Auden Tate and Brian Edwards, and now it's like one's a healthy scratch, one's probably on somebody's practice squad somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's been a yeah. little bit interesting. Yeah, go ahead, dude. I was gonna say the thing with Edwards is too. I think he's only been targeted maybe two or three times, and twice it was in the end zone, and Mariota missed him both times. Yeah. So like I, I don't know. It may be the fact that he's not getting open. It may be as they said they wanted to see like how Darby and Bernhardt looked in a few snaps. But whatever it is, I don't think we've seen the last of Edwards. I think no. he showed enough, you know, with the Raiders that I I still have really high hopes for him this year. But I think sort of the preseason talk of him maybe being, you know, one of the team's leading receivers, that's not looking so good, but yeah. we, we will see him again. Um it's yeah. It's just that Zacchaeus has done so much for them and Hodge is valuable too that they might park him occasionally. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, this is not a high-volume passing game at this time. Like I mentioned, it, they're no. 31st in passing attempts. They just they only threw 20 passes against the Seahawks. Like, there's not a lot of targets to go around in general um, because Mariota's going to run sometimes. That's going to limit your passing attempts. Um, there's going to be a lot of... Ha- as long as this running game is humming like it is right now, they're going to hand off the ball a lot. Um, so like they, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they construct the active group to favor, you know, guys that are good blockers and guys that are going to play special teams and keeping an extra tight end active, you know, so you have more blockers there, keeping an extra running back active. And that might mean some of these wide receivers being inactive, but I guess I'm just confused by the Darby one because I, I don't know that he's like, an especially good blocker doesn't seem to offer like the dynamic ability of like a Demir bird. And he doesn't have the size of a Brian Edwards. So I'm just sort of confused by that, but maybe it's special teams. Um, I don't know. They, they have been, you know, top five in terms of their special teams overall. So maybe it's more that, um, but all they got to do is keep winning. And then I won't care who's active and not active in the receiving core. Ultimately, Um, you know, and that may or may not be uh, something they can do this week taking on the Cleveland Browns, who are 2-1, and one, playing pretty well, especially on offense, even with Jacoby Brissett at the helm, who I think has been surprisingly good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I there will be a full game preview for this coming uh, on Friday, but I do want to get your guys' thoughts on it. Uh, Dave, I'll go to you first. What do you think about the Falcons' chances against Cleveland coming back home finally after a two-game road stretch? Do you think there's a chance they could pull to 500 in this one? I think there's a chance. I, I think, you know, I was talking to uh, Everett Glaze, our own alcoholic Everett Glaze here the other day, and, and he was, you know, sort of doing his breakdown of the offense and defense versus each other. And he was like, not a great feeling about a lot of this. And, and I understand it. You know, I, I do think the Falcons at their best can beat Cleveland, but the Browns are so good running the football. Brissett is so careful with the football, um, I think. And, and, that's been impressive for me. I've always liked Brissett, but to see him doing this well in this offense and really limiting, you know, the mistakes that he's made to this point and the fact that even minus Miles Garrett, their defense, especially up front, is really good. Like the margin of error here is really thin. So I, I think the Falcons, you know, playing the sort of game, if you take the best parts of the Saints game, the best parts of the Rams game and the best parts of the Seahawks game and you smush them all together and they play that kind of game, they can beat the Browns. If they don't do that, if we see some of the characteristic mistakes we've seen so far, 
you know, in terms of the fumbles, kind of the, the lack of discipline on defense and so forth, I think they're going to have a tough time because this is a good Browns team um, and they don't make a lot of mistakes and they can punish you by chewing up the clock and, and really running very effectively against what I think has been a, a mediocre Falcons run defense. So I, I would not say I'm optimistic about their chances, but I do think they have a chance. And I do think that is something that I, I didn't think, you know, a few weeks ago. So that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and I'll touch on that more, but I did want to give Evan a chance to weigh in as well. Evan, your your thoughts on this upcoming matchup? you think the Falcons have a chance in this one? Yeah, I think they definitely have a chance. Um, I think, you know, we just talked about the offensive line, but it's going to be a true test for them playing, you know, in passing game playing against uh, Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett, who are both on the injury report. Um, so that's something to monitor. But assuming both of them play, I mean, those are two pretty good pass rushers. So, um, it's going to be interesting. And they're the type that if Mariota scrambles out, like they have no problem chasing after him. Um, so that that's going to be interesting. Um, Amari Cooper, even with Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback has played pretty well. Um, so it'll be interesting. I assume Terrell's on him, um, how that shakes out, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think this is going to be, you know, a lot of people who aren't fans of either team probably think this will be a boring game, but I think it could be quite entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think it will actually be a good one. I think it, it, it's all about can the Falcons score because I think that the Browns mm. are going to score. Um, I, I don't I don't have any confidence in the Falcons. Well, we remember to... Nick Chubb last time they <laughs> yeah. played, he had what, like a 90-something yard yeah. <laughs> rush, uh, rushing touchdown? Yep, yep. So that's so... Go- I, I think that's where it'll be if the – Falcons defense can stop pretty much not even stop I just try and contain Nick Chubb yeah pretty it, much. exactly it's all about can they score I know someone in the chat mentioned the over-under is like 49 um which is the second highest I think of any over-under this week and I think that's Vegas you know really starting to warm up to the Falcons offense actually being like legit um so you know that's that's not too bad um the only game that's higher, of course, is, I think, uh, Bills-Ravens, which is not surprising, but that's only an over-under of 51. So, um, But yeah, I, I, I'm excited for this one. It really, I think, is going to be important to see the injury situation for the Browns. Um, they have a lot of players on the injury report. We've only seen Wednesday's report so far, so don't necessarily know exactly how it will shake out. But um, right now... I think three defensive line starters currently uh, not practicing for the Browns, right? Uh, Jadavian Clowney didn't practice. Miles Garrett didn't practice after his car accident. Very scary. Glad he's okay. Um, Taven Bryan, starting a defensive tackle, according to PFF, um, did not practice with a hamstring. And also then, Denzel Ward in yeah, the secondary. And uh, Jeremiah Usukormo, who I think has missed multiple games as well. So that's what five starters on defense right now not practice now it's just wednesday so it's it's entirely mm-hmm. possible that some of these guys are practicing by the end of the week and are playing but um missing like multiple of those guys would certainly hamper uh that browns defense particularly if they're missing both Clowney and garrett that would be really uh bad because those two are playing great for them so far i think both are like top 10 edge rushers according to pff this year so um you know that's Definitely going to be something to monitor. And on the offensive side, uh, Joel Batonio mispracticed their guard, one of their best players. Um, and then I think uh, 
who was the other one? Joe Haig, who I don't think is a starter, but um, one of their top depth players. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But a lot of injuries to monitor there. And again, like, can the Falcons keep up with the scoring? I think that's the the key, you know. Um, and I, I think that they can. I think they're capable. We've seen that they're a capable offense. They'll be at home in the Dome, so don't have to worry about any sort of weather interference. Um, but I just don't know. Um, I, I do feel better about their chances, certainly after seeing them actually get a win against the Seahawks. The Browns are a lot better than the Seahawks, uh, especially on defense. So I don't think it'll be as easy. But again, we'll see if they can uh, take advantage because the, the Browns defense has been good, but they've been a little bit susceptible to giving up the big play in the passing game. And the Falcons have seemed to be targeting that a little bit more frequently. So I wonder if we'll see some of those sorts of plays early in this one. Um, but yeah, any, any final thoughts, uh, Evan, I'll, I'll go to you first. Any final thoughts, anything you want to plug guys? He's at Evan Birchfield on the Twitter. Um, no, just, uh, go to the falcolic.com for everything. Follow us on Twitter, the falcolic on Instagram, the underscore falcolic, and then on Facebook, the falcolic. Um, and thanks for watching. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on Evan. Appreciate you. Good to see you. Hope the hurricane stays away as much as possible uh <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah we'll see what happens yeah uh dave cho with us as well guys he's at the falcoholic dave anything you want to plug tonight no i think evan said it well you know follow the falcoholic everywhere you can we're not on every platform yet but we will be eventually i'm sure so um but we have some great uh browns related previews coming up in the next couple of days um obviously some great shows like you've seen tonight I, I suggest everybody check out kevin's film review from tuesday i believe uh for the seahawks some awesome stuff on Cordero patterson so we're uh we're just excited to be talking about a, a pretty solid falcons football team it's been a while so make sure you yeah. follow up yeah uh obviously definitely do check out the video the film review if you're so inclined uh Give us a like and subscribe on this video. Make sure you hit that little alarm button so you get notifications when the new content drops. Uh, we appreciate everyone for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Live. Benefits for both the video viewers and the podcast listeners. Like I said before, uh, early access to the pods and ad-free high-quality downloads of said pods. So really, it's a win-win. Um, and for those that don't know, uh, I can't believe it took this long, but... Patreon finally made it so you pay on the day you subscribe and not just randomly on the first. So, like, you don't have to sign up and then get charged again on the first, which I always thought was really stupid. Um, so now it actually is like every other normal subscription and then it just charges you once a month when you uh, when you subscribe. So I thought that was a good change. Um, so if that was keeping you away for whatever reason, it has finally uh, changed. I'm glad. Uh, so, yeah, check that out, guys. Um, and, yeah. Uh, I will have my game preview for week four against the Browns coming out Friday. Uh, I'll be having uh, Alan Sterk is still on vacay. So I'll be having a Noah Schaefer of the Dog Check podcast uh, on the Believe Network. He's going to be coming on uh, to help break down this Browns matchup. So you can look forward to that on uh, Friday. So, yeah, guys, uh, really appreciate you for tuning in tonight. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Falcoholic Live. We will talk to you guys Next time, uh, if you don't check out the game preview, we'll see you back on live Sunday, immediately following the game, you know, approximately 4.15 or so. 
uh, give or take, depending on how you know long it goes. Uh, and we'll see you guys then. So until then, enjoy your Wednesday night, uh, and we will talk to you guys on Sunday. Until then, have a great night, folks.